Here we go. Welcome, everybody. This is PMP. What? Hard to feel intelligence. It's not artificial. It's hard to feel intelligence. <laughs> no, no. Computers are smart now. Now, uh, welcome to the PMP Weekly. We're not going to cut that away. PMP Weekly episode 198. We were laughing for the transcripts, uh, transcripts um, because it doesn't understand Finglish, clearly. So <laughs> it, it's one of those learnings, by the way, that you need to hide that <laughs> to, to, to panel because otherwise you start paying attention too much. On, what, what, what are you saying? I'm not saying that. I haven't said that, no. Waldek, <laughs> exactly. uh, what am I actually saying? <laughs> is something wrong? I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, it is 17th of February, and we're recording this Friday, uh, typically on Monday, and then going out on Tuesday, but uh, there's some time off and all of that, so like in the previous time, actually, so um, similar kind of things, so recording a bit early. We recorded to the, the interview already earlier today, and that was with, with who? Mustafa. Mustafa. <laughs> yes. You're asking me stuff. Stop asking me stuff. What? I can barely remember what I did one hour ago. Come on. Now, uh, yes. Mustafa is a Azure architect. Uh, it's probably the easiest way to kind of explain the technical Azure architect. Um, and actually, a really interesting discussion. And he is also in the content and the coordination team creating the European Collaboration Summit. <laughs> <laughs> that's the conference, right? That is. Yes, uh, yes, European collaboration. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Which happens in May 2020, uh, 2023. Uh, so, and a lot of cool actually conferences in the pipeline uh, this spring, uh, which is great, and hopefully we get a lot of people attending, because it's it's cool to see actually human beings um, and say have a discussion. Now, uh, in the PMP Weekly, I always talk about the latest on Microsoft 365. We all, of course, we, together with all of the other related technologies, Power Platform, Azure, all of that stuff, and then we go through, uh, have an interview and go through the articles. But I guess that's for the intro. My, my name is Vesa, you're uh, Waldeck. Yes. So. Yes, it's it's not like we haven't done this before, <laughs> but it's hard. <laughs> but let's jump on the interview with Mustafa. That's true. Let's jump into the interview with Mustafa and come back for the articles. Sure. Excellent. So welcome, Mustafa, joining on the PMP Weekly, uh, episode 198. Um, it's good to have you in the call as well. Um, let's start with the basics. Who are you and, and what are you doing for living? Yeah, first of all, hello and thank you for having me. So, my name is Mustafa Toroman. I come from Bosnia and Herzegovina. I am a cloud solution architect and Azure MVP. And then uh, Azure MVP, what do you do then for a living? What, what does the, the, the cloud solution architect? <laughs> yeah, so are you, yeah, what does that mean in practice? <laughs> now, I, I wear very different hats throughout my career, starting from database admin to sysadmin to engineering to architects uh, stuff and then basically right now i'm helping customers envision their roadmap how do should they approach the cloud um, what are the benefits there how to leverage all the benefits and and get the best out of their cloud journey uh, and things are like that. obviously most of my work today is around cloud adoption framework and things like that uh, that help large organization adopt cloud in in a way that can scale and and uh, change over time. Yeah, and is that with what, where where are your customers based on? Is that a which okay, area so, of uh, the world? 
Yeah, previously I've worked with the US company uh, and most of my customers were US enterprises. Uh, recently, well, not recently, it's been over a year now, I joined um, MCloud Denmark, Devoti MCloud Denmark. Uh, and currently I'm working with primarily customers uh, from, from Denmark. And yeah, there are a couple of more in, in uh, inside the European Union and, and that sort of thing. So that th those are my customers currently. Yeah. yeah, that's actually, I have to immediately ask, I can see Waldek has particular questions on his mind already. What, what's the differences between US and Europe? Because you work with both uh, regions and there, there are certain regional differences and from a customer perspective, is there a, a visible things for your side? Absolutely, the, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's a, first there's a, a huge mentality difference. Um, working with uh, US customers, everything is a priority hundred. Everything needs to be deal right right now. Everything uh, everything will burn if we don't do something uh, <laughs> this very second. And working with the European customers, it's it's much more relaxed. Um, no one like everyone is reasonable. Uh, deadlines are set in in a way that we can actually be reached <laughs> rather than burning out uh, uh, by the end of the project. So th that's that's a huge huge difference in, in approach and and how how things work. And also like in US with with US customers, it's always twenty four seven. Like if there's something coming up. Immediately, everyone needs to be on board. Everyone is jumping on calls, discussing things. What are we doing right now? Uh, and with that sounds somehow you, familiar. Sorry, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I imagine, I imagine you you see that. And with the with, with the European customers, it's usually like no one makes a fuss if you don't immediately respond outside the business hours. It's it's much more, uh, again, relaxed. Huh. Do you have any any guesses? Why would that be? Where where is this coming from? It's just is is it a just a regional cultural differences or is it? Uh, it's, it's a real it's 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 a mentality between the U.S. and 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 the rest of the world, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, but we we don't. Yeah, we of course there's different regional things in APAC and all of that. Yeah, so, yeah. even like definitely. obviously inside even inside Europe. You you would see different different countries different regions uh, have different different approach to things and, and take uh, everything like uh, most of my customers are coming from from uh, Denmark which is kind of like Scandinavian part and there everything is much more relaxed much more open to new discussions to new things when in Germany for example it's everything is much more strict like we have these rules we need to abide. And, and we cannot go outside this rule. And if we need change the rule, it's going to take six months to discuss on how we are going to do that, and etc. So there are obviously differences. It's it's not unique that U.S. is different from everyone else. Every country, every region has its own uh, uh, quirks and, and and differences. Yeah, I the decision based let's say driving things. I, I remember when I was still a consultant. It's, it's a classic storyline of of hey. We need to do this, and I'm basically saying, yeah, it has been decided, uh, so we need to do that. And nobody ever questions who decided. And it's <laughs> like it's just just as a consultant, if you needed to get something done in certain companies, you just needed to say, it has been decided that we'll do this. And then if somebody eventually started asking on, okay, who decided? Well, I did. But you know, so people don't 
that that happens still in enterprises so often and it's it's actually it's not just in us or in europe it's, it's every now and then it's actually good practice to be like okay wait a minute why are we exactly doing this so who's well microsoft said okay who from microsoft said and what well microsoft said nope it's big company so uh, quite often you hear that from customers as well that yeah microsoft told us to do this yeah, I see that. It's all that's very good. When, my, when you say when when someone says Microsoft said that, so that's like who exactly? It's it yeah, can exactly. it can be a very valid point, but it doesn't have to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, all, all that you mentioned, you mentioned that you help customers uh, do more with our cloud on Azure, right? And Azure is a huge place. How do you? Can't stay in touch with all of it. Like, how do you rationalize, or how do you learn what's out there, and how to when to use which over what? What is your recipe to stay on top of everything that's going on on Azure? Yeah, I, that's, everything. That, that, that's that's a very valid question. Uh, there are services in Azure that I never touched. Being an Azure MVP, there are services in Azure I never touch. Uh, but I'm very fortunate that I started very early when it wasn't so difficult to learn. Uh, I, I, I was fortunate enough to try out Azure before it was publicly available. So Oh, so, so you were the one who got to work with Silverlight Portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't only... It, it, Silverlight Portal was there for a very long time after it was publicly available. Oh, there so you it go. Yeah, yeah, years in, in use for, for, for a production environment. So, uh, so that, that's, that, that like changed the new portal and everything we have now came at a much later point. Yeah. But at that half time... Of, half of the people listening are like, Silverlight, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have a look on Wikipedia. Anyway, that's something very unfortunate that should never happen. But okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, I started very early, and there was just a bunch of services. It was like five, six services out there. You you couldn't do much at that point. It was more related to infrastructure as a service. Only a couple of platform as a service options that were available, and it was relatively easy to learn. Like you could master everything in there in in week or two uh, top. Uh, obviously, things very much changed over time. And that's one of the things I always tell people discussing the cloud, be ready for constant learning. It's changing all the time. Like every product group inside the Microsoft, every service there is, there's a three-week sprint. Every three weeks, something changes. It might wow. be... It not might not be that huge, right? It might be uh, uh, something very small, but it's constantly changing, and it will yep. change in a way that is affecting your workload, your application, your architecture. So you need to start stay on top of it. So as I said, I started early. I mastered what was in there, and for me, it's relatively easy to keep track of the new stuff because it's just an upgrade. Uh, where it's very difficult for someone who just comes into the, the, the field and says, okay, I'm going to start learning Azure now. It's huge. I'm going to learn Azure. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> so so it, it's, it's, it's good to focus on things that are important to you. Uh, like, what is your premier focus? If you're a developer, what is interesting to you in Azure right now? Because, as I said, it's huge. We can move from infrastructure to platform as a service to million different options out there that are available from different fields, from data, applications, compute, 
machine learning, artificial intelligence, cognitive services, there are a million different stuff. So try to focus on what is interesting to you, what is related to your work, what do you want to work with, and try to focus on those services because keeping track of everything is, is simply impossible today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what to ask, right? and that, that makes me curious, right? right? You being kind of a sysadmin or architect at heart, how do you see, you know, the balance with devs, where in the past, you know, devs would write some code, press a five, it works on the local IIS, ship it. How, how do you see them catching up with thing, build, building things in the cloud and microservices, distributed systems, things like trust, security, and tokens and keys, dealing with all of that being a dev? So how do you balance with them and what kind of weird things do you see them do and there's like no 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 like we cannot we're not doing that, that in the cloud nowadays yeah so cloud adoption framework <laughs> <laughs> so it's very important to have a good strategic uh, 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 and planned way of going to the cloud from the organizational level uh, if organization as a whole plans properly you and we today especially important for the development cycles we have this concept of the landing zones where application team is going to get their own piece of azure and then they can do whatever they want inside that piece however looking at the cloud adoption framework from the cloud pl platform perspective organization is going to enforce certain rules what can you or cannot do inside that your own space that you that you have complete control of uh, there are still rules that you need to abide by. So basically, you would say, okay, for I've, I've seen, for example, for EU companies, they are deciding, okay, our data needs to stay in, uh, inside the EU, so only data centers inside the EU. So you're going to have a certain policy on how that's going to uh, uh, set it up. Uh, and then, then you are probably going to enforce that um, all data needs to be encrypted in transit, to in, in REST, etc. And, and all sort of different company uh, compliance rules and, uh, and whatever company needs to, to, to achieve. You're going to have that on top as a part of the cloud platform. Someone from admin part is going to enforce all those rules. This is going to be available and then you get your piece of Azure that you can play with and deploy services and, and whatever you want. And then from developer perspective, it's much easier compared to what was done in the past because as you said, yeah, we're going to build some code, we're going to push it to IIS and that's it. But how do we get that IIS? You would need to request the virtual machine. Then someone need, needed to configure that virtual machine and then provide you access to that virtual machine so you can actually finally deploy code. And then if the code is deployed, are the network rules uh, associated with it? Can we Firewall, actually access it? Policies, Firewall, yeah, yeah, all of that jazz. Windows now updates, these, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah nowadays uh, you get your landing zone, you get your piece of Azure, uh, uh, your own personal piece of Azure, you can deploy there whatever you want. So you want your web application, yeah, just deploy web app and it's up. It's there. You, you you are ready to use it. You just push your code there, and it's 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 up and running. There's there's no queues waiting for a ticket to be resolved. Everything is much faster. So that's that's very cool part of 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 that cloud. Second part is also like resources. Like we started building applications. Someone said, okay, we need this kind of infrastructure. These VMs. Uh, uh, with this much memory, this much CPUs, uh, etc. 
then we have a problem because all of a sudden we have more uh, users than we anticipated. Workloads are getting right. higher and higher and higher. Now to change the size of that VM becomes a problem because there's no capacity in the local data center. So you need you to wait for hardware, hardware. Media yep. mark to buy a disk. Yep. <laughs> and basically in Azure, you don't have any problems with that anymore. There's a huge capacity available in the data centers. Whatever you need, you just click, click, click. Created. Well, click click is not ideal way of doing it. I would prefer <laughs> that people use infrastructure as a code, but from someone who is just entering the cloud, it might seem easier to 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 use a, a GUI interface. Yeah, I have to say that it's it's if you think about well, I obviously worked for a while in Microsoft and started with a Windows Azure and all of that well many 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 moons ago, um, before it was Microsoft Azure, um, but. Even the, the VM upgrades, it's a magical thing how easy it is because, you know, I, I need to do some testing every now and then in a VM, which is a clean, and then I do it in Azure. And then it's like, well, now it's too slow. Shut it down, upgrade, um, upscale, start. And you're like, how does it do that? So <laughs> it's just magical that you don't, when we started with Azure, that wasn't the case. It wasn't that you basically were stuck in the, the whatever VM sizing, what you actually got, and, or it wasn't as flexible. Now it's like, Upscale, move it to SSD disk and start. Sea turtles. How? Yeah, it's the sea turtles. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's from a computer science perspective, it's just incredible uh, what you can actually do there and, and the speed of that scalability. It's just amazing. Um, it's just how, how, okay, anyway, that's out of our understanding or at least for out of my understanding yeah i mean interesting twist right so you see like we have all the power flexible like we can we can do things what what are some of the things you see going wrong despite all of the you know yeah. abilities and features that we have like where people take a misstep that they could have avoided if only they thought about x the most common mistake i've seen that there is no governance inside the organizational tenant. Um, this self-provisioning, you do it yourself approach is amazing and it's excellent, but you still need the visibility inside in, in into what's what's inside, what's what's running on your Azure. Well the, you have all those services, but why are they there in the first place? Yeah, because the approach is a little bit different to on-prem infrastructure. You know, for for on-prem, you would purchase hardware, set it up, and it was there. And then, even if you're not using it, it's already there. You purchased it; it was a plan for whatever reason. So it will be used eventually, right? And and oh, that, it, that it's so many memories. Yeah, that, that's like <laughs> yeah, that's wow. And we needed to do the definitions and purchase orders for specific hardware and the yes. memory consumption and CPUs, and you needed to do the, the plan. Oh my God, that was horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And wow. The self-provision in the cloud that is so cool, just choose what you need right now and, 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 and do it. And even if you underestimate or overestimated your workloads, you can scale it up and down as you want. And yep. The thing yep. is that in cloud, you're paying as much as you, you're using, right? So if you upscale it indefinitely, it will cost you indefinitely. Uh, it will cost you a lot of money and you need to be careful. So you need to know what is in there. Like, why are you paying for these services? 
because I've seen many times where there's no insight in what's in the company's cloud, then basically uh, uh, it becomes uh, a jungle. It's complete chaos because people create POCs that never right see yeah, the light of the day there. and they're like yeah, yeah, yeah like just every night there. there's a big pipe like pulling data yeah. and you're like yeah, but why why is it there no yeah. one knows exactly like this someone decided right yes, <laughs> so exactly. someone decided, decided. <laughs> you need yeah. a way to 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 have an insight because i've seen with me, uh, with a lot of companies that once we establish the governance when we actually go down and see okay what is this like let's actually find out what is used and not used, we, we, we tend to save up to like 40 or 60% of the cost, which can be huge That's for a large lot. organization, right? Exactly. So how do you go about it? Like, because like in Azure, like you, you have a list of all the, you know, resource groups and resources, but how do you, where do you start? Like if you go, imagine you go to a customer, right? And they have no insight. They, they have no idea what they have and they have a bunch of stuff. How do you go about doing inventory of all of that? Tagging. You tag everything. So Azure have this ability to tag resources. And then for each of the workloads and everything that is deployed, uh, you, once again, we are returning to cloud adoption framework, governance part. You are ensuring that all resources need to have adequate tags. Like who is the owner, department, cost center. There are a million different things. Gotcha. It depends on your strategy and the approach. But using tags, you can... With certainty, say who is using that and 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 for what, and then it it gives you a start, like because even if you're not sure or something, you know who your first contact is, like who should know about this stuff and is this actually used or what kind of in the environment is this and etc. To be fair, these tags should come from your deployment pipelines when it, when as soon as you create the resource they're already stamped with these things so that you don't need to manually get back to them and have a bunch of meetings and calling people like, hey, like I'm looking at this. What is this thing? What's in yeah. it? Ideal approach would be that have it in the deployment pipelines to begin with. Yeah. Try using infrastructure as a code. Uh, that approach is how we do things now, right? That's the DevOps way of doing things. So we want infrastructure as a code to, do, to, to be done. Uh, I will not get into it. I'm I'm huge fan of of of, no, no, of, but, but of, of can that. Can you do a quick kind of a t- uh, summary? What is infrastructure as a code? What what what's why would I why would people should have a look at that? So basically, infrastructure as a code gives you ability to deploy infrastructure uh, to have a imp- uh, definition of your infrastructure written as code, and then you can deploy it and redeploy it uh, whenever you need. Uh, reasons for that could be multiple from different environments from dev test production, uh, you have consistency, so you are always deploying exactly the same environment. They are, there's no drift, right? Because, again, on-prem, when we have different environments, they was manually configured. And then when you do something in dev and deploy and it works in dev, there's this manual configuration that makes it work. And once you deploy yep. it to production, it doesn't have that manual configuration anymore because someone forgot about it and then then everything feels, feel, falls apart, right? And this is why we want infrastructure as a code. Consistency, you always have exactly the same environment and you know exactly what kind of configuration goes with that environment. It also uh, allows you to recover very quickly if you do the things that way. So let's say that for whatever reason, uh, West Europe data center is down and it's not available, in the blink of an Which eye- Which has never can, happened. 
just to be clear. So, yeah, it's no, I'm just saying, <laughs> let's, let's see that it happens. Meteor, a huge rock from the sky falls directly yeah. on. Like, it yeah, hit yeah. the whole planet, it hit directly in the spot. There yes. were hiccups now and then, but the entire data center going out, it was not... Uh, uh, so, let's say that if that happens very quickly, you can just, because you have infrastructure as a code, you can redeploy to another region, you're up and running, everything is fine. Let's say that your application is breached. Infrastructure that you have in production for a certain system, it's been breached, it's been compromised. You can just destroy everything, move it to a different location, you're done. It's no longer yeah. compromised. And and is the code, as we're saying, code? Am I writing then TypeScript or JavaScript or what does that mean in practice? What are, what are the uh, what are the options to express the? the uh, there are so there are so many different things. There are so many things. So I can do first, XML. We don't I can talk do XML. about words. <laughs> we don't talk about a word doc. Like that doesn't qualify as infrastructure as a code. Yeah. <laughs> so we we have a couple of. Couple of ways of, of, of doing like first one that came with Azure was, was ARM templates. So ARM templates were way of doing things, uh, which was a little inconvenient to work with. Well, ARM templates is basically a huge JSON file. So if you have a, a very big infrastructure for your system, it can be thousands of lines of code in JSON. So it's kind of very difficult to, to work with. Fortunately, a uh, couple of years ago, uh, Microsoft decided to, okay, this is becoming uh, a little bit complex. So they came, came up with a bicep, which is basically same approach, but in a different format, which is more uh, uh, visible and easier to work with. You, you, you have uh, better options. Um, then, but is it code if it's chosen? Is it? Uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's. <laughs> it is. Are you a developer if you're doing only JavaScript? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, uh, there's also option uh, very popular in, in, in cloud is Terraform, uh, which is kind of like cloud agnostic, so it works basically on, on any cloud. Uh, yeah. And then relatively, Palumi is very I've seen it very popular, seen it becoming very popular with the developers because it gives you ability to write your infrastructure basically in most programming languages like TypeScript, uh, C Sharp. You can write your infrastructure in those with Palomar. Uh And those are obviously like we have different types, and then oh, there's also things like uh, CLI and PowerShell, which are not ideal. Declarative and stuff. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Cool. Now, so that we're not running out of time, let's talk about also the other things what you're doing because I, we've been working on something which's happening this spring. Uh, I'm, I'm partly a bit, it's a bit, a bit, a bit involved in that. Uh, but you, you're actually wearing a shirt of something what you've been involved yeah, for. I'm in a shirt. Well. Yeah, I'm in a shirt. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so can you can you talk about what 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 is that uh, thing um, in the spring and where everybody should be coming to Düsseldorf? Yeah. So May twenty second to twenty fourth, we have European Collaboration Summit. Uh, this is our tenth anniversary, so it's it's going to be huge for us. It's uh, 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 it's a peak of everything we've been doing so for so many years and. Uh, Growing and growing in numbers and, and and hoping to achieve another record this this year. Uh, things are going according to plan, so so we have hope to see huge crowd in Düsseldorf. Um, 
it's going what to does be... the huge mean just to be clear on that so, it's huge like, 20 uh, we always, yes okay so yeah we always <laughs> aim to to achieve more so yep. uh lo- numbers from the last collaboration summit before unfortunate events that happened in the past <laughs> um we are around 2000 so we are achieve we are aiming to go over that number and our next goal is to to uh, 2500 yep nice that's a good sized crowd already so which is really really cool and so. where did you start like what was your first event venue and kind of the size yeah, so they, it obviously grew over. Uh, we, we replaced hundreds with thousands in the, in the meantime. And uh, the conference originally started uh, in Zagreb, Croatia, which was for several editions before moving to Germany. Uh, in Germany, well, Germany was the first time when we achieved uh, a, a thousand numbers. Uh, basically, unfortunately, Croatia is a, is a beautiful but small country and, and not maybe so easy to come to. So connections were not ideal. So we kind of reached our, our limit there and couldn't go over number of five to 600. That, that was the, the biggest we could achieve. So we made a decision to move the conference to Germany um, in Frankfurt area, which is kind of like a major European hub uh, uh, for, for the air traffic. So everyone was easy it, it was relatively easy to come to and uh, the first time we moved it there first one was in Mainz. uh immediately we hit uh, uh 1500 i think and it has been it's been growing ever since so we we first german edition was in Mainz. uh second one was in wiesbaden this is the t-shirt for from wiesbaden uh, and uh, the the last one uh, uh that we had in uh 2021 was uh, uh, in Düsseldorf, yeah. and this year we are repeating that. That's when we are going to be in the same place. Yeah. Now it's the situation looks much better. The 2021 we can a bit touch that that cut uh, quite significantly impacted on a another surge of numbers going up and down and an announcements happening just on the previous weeks. That just a week before coming. the conference. It's just, and I remember that weekend when the conference started on Monday, when there was a, I, I had like a Chilean messages coming in. Are you going? Are you going? Can we go? What's happening? So it was a really intense uh, moment because there was uh, some new news announcements coming up on on a new variant and everybody was a bit scared. And so luckily the spring looks much better. So I think we're getting finally Fingers to normal. Crossed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That is true. Uh, now, uh, why would anybody go to ECS? Just a uh, not just the numbers, but w- what's what's in what's there in the spring? Uh, there's this ten years anniversary. What what else is happening? So uh, I, I love the part that this, this is still we we, we 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 grew in numbers, but this remained the community conference. So the atmosphere of, of the conference is still what you get from usually smaller community events. Everyone is open. There's a lot of discussions. You can catch all the speakers in, 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 in throughout the venue, outside their session, to have a talk with them, to discuss different things. Everything is much more relaxed than on a huge commercial conferences. There's no schedule. Everyone just hangs out, talk about stuff, discuss different things. We have amazing speaker lineup. I think we 
And you mentioned that so you, you are part of it. Well, you are part of the content team. So you are responsible, one of no the people part. responsible for having that lineup this year, uh, which I think is best one we, we had yet. Um, we have a little over 100 uh, speakers, 108, I think, this year. Uh, out of these 108 speakers, we have 75 Microsoft MVPs. 25 people from Microsoft, uh, seven regional directors. And one wow. thing that we are especially proud of, that uh, we are trying to stay uh, current and basically not to have just the same lineup over and over and over again. There's around 30% of new speakers that never presented at Collaboration Summit oh, before. that is so cool. That yeah. is really cool. That's, we are very proud of that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a huge, uh, huge, huge, huge thing because, of course, it's great to have new people and new new opportunities for people who are coming onto the industry, and not have yeah. the, the old dinosaurs, uh, right, Waldek, to to take over the. <laughs> I don't know who you are talking about. Like, if you are talking about yourself, yes. <laughs> Who's older here? I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. You um, are the oldest, I guess. Am I? Am I really? Don't, uh, my my guess. Yeah, I always used to be the youngest when I started my career. Different room, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the oh. thing is, in IT, everything for, uh, over forty is a dinosaur. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hence, I, I am I am not one today. I learned. There you go. I am not forty. Really? <laughs> yeah. Despite <Okay>. the looks. <laughs> Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> it's fine. I'm 20, 25. <laughs> I will never grow past 26. Okay. Um, yeah, the age is a state of mind, not the body. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's for sure. <laughs> True. <laughs> Kuch, uh, I guess we're running a bit out of time as well, but um, any any last words? Most of all, thank you for joining. Uh, really, really cool uh, discussion. And, and and actually really cool to have a discussion and perspectives on the Azure side of the house as well, because, um, of course, with Microsoft 365, all of that is highly connected. So. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, everything, everything today, um, especially when you look at the Microsoft 365, which is a software as a service offering. So development obviously changed very much from what we had on-prem and if you are doing any kind of development around Microsoft 365 then you're depending on Azure different yeah. Azure services that are going to extend your Microsoft 365 environments absolutely authentication tokens all of that stuff as a starting Everything. point and then yeah all of the Enterprise other opportunities Azure, Azure functions calf. and yeah Mind exactly your calf. yes yes exactly. cool Anyway, uh, I, um, well, let's do a quick recap. Anything interesting what's happening this week? Uh, most this of week uh, what you're going to talk about. Happen that much. It's Friday. Well, that, yeah, we're Friday recording this. So anything interesting happening next week related on anything what you're going to talk about? Um, just a kind of a weekly recap on things. I don't think I'm having anything very important next week. That's cool, actually. That's that's really good. Uh, <laughs> a bit more relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's very business strange to be honest. That's very strange to be honest. <laughs> yeah, business as usual. And Waldek, anything anything interesting on your side? I'm looking at my calendar, so there's not. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of regular meetings. There's not much, but it's basically the time you know the um, silence be be before the storm. Because on March yep. one, we're going to start a two week hackathon 
around Microsoft Graph and .NET. So there'll be yep. a huge, huge, huge part of, you know, it's all of the work that we've done over the past and the coming weeks, um, you'll see see the fruition of that. So we, we will have a great lineup of uh, speakers, sessions, resources, basically to help people or, or to help .NET devs understand what they can do with the skills that they already have to build on Microsoft Graph for Microsoft 365, building apps for work and school. Um, and also for the personal use, right? Because you can also yep. use Graph with your Hotmail and Outlook account. So many folks don't, aren't aware of that too. So we will be doing a lot of work around that coming uh, March 1. Yep. Other than that, going towards the end of the month, another release of CLI for Microsoft 365 and Microsoft Graph Developer Proxy. So we're wrapping uh, work around that too, preparing for a release. So there'll be a part of uh, next week already, because February is a short month. So next week is the last full week of the month that we can do some of that. So uh, you can expect us maybe talking some more around that. So a busy, busy week. How about yep. you, Yuvesa? I'm actually finally taking a few days off. Uh, I didn't have time what? off during holiday. Um, now, now, with what? certain exceptions, uh, because of course I will be helping with the community call and, and all of that regardless. So it's just realities of, of the role and life at the moment. <laughs> we'll try to figure it out. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a while since I've taken actually any actual time off, uh, which is good. So spending time with the kids. So do you um, think it's where not to take the laptop with you? Uh, unfortunately, that's not an option. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'd love to be able to do that, but I'm, whenever the, the uh, actual summer holiday break starts, then that's full offline, and, cool and we'll figure it out. You're gone, but, gone. Yeah, a few days um, as a quick break. It's a, it's a bit of a different thing. So, but of course, minimizing the, the amount of things what you're doing as much as possible. Yeah. So. But, um, and then uh, SPFX beta comes out actually a week after that and all of that stuff. So a lot of, lot of cool stuff um, in the pipeline, but it's just a lot of stuff. A lot of Very stuff. Very cool. Anyway, thank you, Mustafa. Uh, good to catch up. Uh, we'll continue uh, our work with the ECS preparations and all of that. And that's going to be huge. And that was 21st to 24th of May? 22nd to 24th. 22nd to 24th, yes. Three yes. days, with, and one of those three days is a pre- yeah, first one is a pre conf and then uh, two days of uh, regular sessions and keynotes. Yeah. And and it's really con a convenient location, and the airport in Dusseldorf is like 10 minutes away from the hotel and downtown, so it's really easy uh, travel. Um, but other than that, I guess that's it for now. Thank you, Mustafa, for joining. Really, Thank really, you really good discussion. Have a good day. Excellent. Have a good weekend. Bye. Excellent. Thank you, Mustafa. Uh, really, really good to catch up as well. And 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 actually, really interesting discussion. It's it's actually, it's good to catch up uh, uh, on the Azure side of the house as well, and then capture those thought points. And and actually, that that always opens up additional ideas. Like, oh, that's interesting. I need to have a look on that and that and that. And which really is an excellent example of why diversity and and uh, matter so you have alternative perspectives and discussion points we meet people who are actually come from a different background and then you're like oh actually that's a great idea and start combining those things so if only we would have more time right so have a bit more time on spending on azure side of the house so i, I remember azure getting announced when i was already working at microsoft as a windows azure so that's been yeah, back. and it was like, so. like my my first impression was like, what is it like Windows? 
and, exactly. and, and, and windows and in a cloud. It's been in a really weird way, like <laughs> so windows, but it's in a cloud, but it's not windows, but it's windows. It's like, <laughs> yes, that's true. So, and it wasn't that? IIS; it was a platform as a service. Um, there was no IIS uh, offering from a day one. So that that was missing completely, and then of course that was one of the reasons historically it's always really easy to be uh, a smart on these things. Um, but that was one of the reasons why AWS, for example, got a head start because for conceptually it's so much easier to understand. You take a computer, you virtualize that, you put it as a VM in a cloud, and then you you start running the services there with the cost savings. Um, but I, I remember even internally, I, I guess that's not confidential anymore, there was actually messaging related on this, and our stance internally was, no, 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 that's not the real cost-efficient way of doing things, which is correct, because the platform as a service is much more cost-efficient. Yeah, yeah, it's technically but, correct, but it's so ahead of its time. Exactly, exactly. It was so ahead of the times, and that's, that's unfortunately quite often the case with Microsoft. Uh, we've, we've seen this with even tablets back in whatever time we had the tablets and then nobody cared until iPads came so uh, it's it's just interesting well technically Apple had the watch on thing before that but still it's it's kind of a we we tend to go up it too ahead of the curve and then people don't get it and somebody comes with a easily approachable thing and it's like yeah that's now I get it so uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, but, we but had like, some other, yeah. Yeah, but it's the same thing with AI too. Like like AI is, is hot now, like chat GPT. But it's like, we've been doing this already for a long time. Yeah, but <laughs> yes. now yes. it's approachable, right? That's that's the thing. Find the right storyline, make it approachable, make it approachable and understandable for the audience. And and now it was the first time when it's understandable for the broader audience, and then it explodes. Uh, the fastest growing service for 100 million registered users in the history of computer science, so which is crazy. But it is interesting. Anyway, um, yeah. Anyway, so articles. Yes. Articles. What articles, do we have this week in the news? Articles. Articles. In the news. We will start with Jeff Deeper, uh, of course. Um, he's the, the father of JPoint and leads a lot of the other Microsoft teams nowadays and OneDrive and many, many other things as well. And he's the, the president in, in Microsoft uh, and, and organization is being called Collaborative Apps and Platforms. And that's basically the well, a lot of Viva services and teams and all of that stuff, but he's basically inviting everybody uh, to the Microsoft 365 conference, which is happening in Las Vegas on May 2 to 4, uh, so three days. There's a pre-day, which is a workshops, and then there's a, well, actually, there's multiple pre-days and a uh, post-day as well, but those two, two to fourth are the actual conference days, and, and there's a lot of cool sessions uh, in the pipeline. I think we'll get the Microsoft sessions uh, in the catalog pretty, pretty soon, but if you're looking into having a location to in-person things, join there. Uh, it is a nice location. So, not that I don't like Las Vegas as a city, but the location where the conference is is nice. So, I for me, Las Vegas is so artificial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Oh, <laughs> anyway, in there, done that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So this one was actually interesting as well from Seth Patton. Yammer is evolving to Microsoft Viva Engage with new experiences rolling out today. So on February 13th, uh, we announced a change of Yammer name brand into Microsoft Viva Engage. And, and that was already, you know, in making for a long, 
a longer time. It was in the air for a long time, yes. <laughs> yeah, but now it's official. Who's surprised? Viva, Viva Engage is the new brand trying to, you know, bring all of that under the employee experience umbrella. Uh, so, yeah, from now on, it's, you know, like, uh, what's the expression? Uh uh, the uh, Yammer is dead. Long live Viva Engage. Like, yeah, or or the long live the king. Service previously known as Yammer. So yes. <laughs> but cool. Uh, that that's actually that provides some clarity on things for sure, which is great. Uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Now we also had an announcement from Blue Bear. Um, this is we we kind of debated on should we actually go cover this, but this is actually a good reminder. There's a lot of customers who still have on-premises um, um, deployments, um, on-premises in. This case would mean SharePoint because their SharePoint exchanges are still in on-prem, but there isn't that many services from Microsoft 365 which are in on-prem. And SharePoint on-prem is actually evolving. So as part of this, there's going to be a new SharePoint workflow manager uh, released for the SharePoint uh, SharePoint 26. Well, it's compatible for 2013 even. Interesting because the the end of life for 2013 is happening within two months. Anyway, um, but it's basically replacing the the workflow engine uh, because there's no Power Automate available, of course, in on-premises, and this is replacing that as a new option and a future-proven option. Interesting. It's a good reminder that on-premises does exist still. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Now we also had a this one. What's the hackathon? Hackathon. Exactly. On March one, so March one through March fifteen, we'll be running a virtual hackathon for Microsoft Graph and .NET. We've yep. got prizes to win. You will be able to learn as a .NET dev, what can you do with the Microsoft Graph? What are the uh, scenarios, options, what is available? What kind of cool apps you can build for work, for school, but also personal apps, because you can use yep. Graph with your personal accounts too. So if you're interested, join us for a hack March 1 through March 15. Really, really cool. Um, I, I love the video, by the way. Well done, good, good production value and all of that's related on this one. Uh, really, really cool. Um, Microsoft Teams apps are now generally available in Microsoft 365 Android apps. So basically, Microsoft Teams is now getting apps are getting extended to Outlook and Office, uh, which is a great new share phase and opportunities for the partners. Uh, so you can, you can access the same application in those those services as well. And now also, of course, the Android and mobile will gradually start supporting that as well. So this is an announcement that the Android app is now supporting. It's really, really cool um, to get a consistent experience across desktop and, and mobile. Awesome stuff. There was a uh, connector update. A lot of connectors. A lot of, a lot of, exactly. a lot of connectors. Starting of the year, uh, starting the year of 2023, with 11 new verified connectors and 18 updates. So, we are working, keep adding new connectors, basically allowing people who build on Power Automate, Power Platform, do more by more easily connect to different data sources, services that are available on internet, and basically tying them into solutions that they build. So it's always yep. exciting to see like what new abilities do we get. Yep, absolutely, awesome stuff. And it, it's the speed of these connectors getting done is just really, really cool. Now, related on updates and all of that, there is a new version of the Microsoft Teams toolkit. Uh, so let me actually open up this window first. And this toolkit is basically the easiest way to build your Microsoft Teams uh, solutions uh, inside of Visual Studio Code. Uh, so um, really good uh, tooling, and there's a new version out, which is version 4.2.3, uh, which was out in February 17th, and previous version 10, 10 days ago. Uh, a lot of updates, uh, fixes, improvements, all of that available uh, in that release. So take a look, have a look on, and of course, if you find something, please report uh, that forward. 
Now, Martin links to uh, links to link style style. Okay, thank you. <laughs> First, <laughs> managing and applying purview retention labels using code. And in this article, he goes into a programmatic way to apply labels, retention labels, like how you would do it with PowerShell CLI, Graph API, basically showing the different ways how you can automate it. Because if you need to manage that at scale, last thing you want to do is go through the files one by one. So here, yep. with this info, you can do it at scale more easily. Really, really cool. Uh, Martin also had another blog post, so he's been busy this week, which is around working Microsoft Teams PowerShell in Azure automation. So how can you automate stuff in Microsoft Teams using the Azure automation using then scripts and really, really cool uh, operations. And that's not just PowerShell. What's that? What, well, what is that? Calling what is Power, that? It's calling uh, CLI from Microsoft 365 from PowerShell. So yep. Azure yep. Cloud Shell, I believe, is the, uh, yep. the location. And from there, how you can... Uh, run all of that. Yeah, really, really yeah, cool. So Thank you, Martin. Yeah, so it's doing, yeah, with managed identity and all that. So basically giving you end-to-end -end, uh, um, source for running that. Uh, yeah. I love the end-to-end -end storylines always better than the, the classic example, which we've touched so many times when the sample starts. As you have the token, then you'll do this. Where, where do where I get the token? <laughs> Where's the token? <laughs> Anyway, uh, Marcus Miller from Avenator had a new blog post as well. Uh, use Teams Toolkit and Visual Studio C Sharp to create Teams tab using Microsoft Craft Toolkit. So really, really cool. Uh, here the difference, uh, just to call it out, it's not Visual Studio Code, it's the actual Visual Studio IDE, which has its own Teams Toolkit version, uh, which is evolving as well. Um, so a lot of familiar, first time when I read the article, I was like, oh, that looks familiar in a good and a bad way. <laughs> so, yeah. Because you used to spend hey, time I, in a Visual I, Studio I a lot. I know they've so. done this in VS Code. It's not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, really awesome stuff. Thank you, Marcus, for covering this one. And thank you, thank you for all of the, the awesome blog posts that you keep on pushing as well. Now, this week on the 365 Message Center show, right? So, this is a, a weekly show, I believe. Yeah. Yes. yes. Where uh, Daryl and Daniel uh, go through what are the latest announcements in the Microsoft 365 Message Center. There's a lot, lot yes. of M's in there. Uh, <laughs> basically, that place where we at Microsoft co communicate what's coming to tenants at Microsoft 365. Yep. And basically, they go through the latest announcement, what's coming, and trying to explain that in, with additional info. So always in an understandable really, really language. Cool. Yeah. It's not, not, not like our language isn't under, not understandable. No, no, no. But, but with additional yeah, anyway. info. <laughs> yes. <laughs> One thing that I want to call out as something what people have been asking for a long time is the Microsoft Viva Connection available in iPad. So basically a tablet mm -hmm. experience for the Microsoft Viva Connection and Viva Home. So that's coming as well. Now, there was also an article from Rebecca Jackson related on Viva Engage, the artist formerly known as Yammer. Oh, that's where I got it. So that's yeah, why I was thinking, where it did I? already, <laughs> subliminally. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Rebecca, on that one. <laughs> because I used the term in the previous article. Anyway, so um, basically a summary on what's happening and, and, and the announcement and references on those announcements and what are the new features and capabilities. And actually, I think this provides more clarity because it's been a bit unclear. Yammer and Viva Engage, what's the reference? And it's like, okay, 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 fine. It's the same thing. So let's be super clear. Um, <laughs> yeah, wow, that's good. It's Yammer time. 
it's at the same time it's always sad to rename things because now you get rid of the yammer term but you know uh, it had its life a long time so and we love renaming stuff. Uh, we are Microsoft. PMP React Controls, part 13, Icon Picker uh, from Sudharsan, uh, Sudharsan Kan, Ka, Ka, I can uh, K, see it this way. Um, uh, but uh, Craig Flipposed again, uh, he has a series uh, on basically explaining the different PMP uh, uh, SPFX controls, which increase your productivity as you're building anything for SharePoint Framework. So really, really cool, again, with live demos and all of that and how to start using them. Then there was an article from uh, Leon Armstrong. Yes, effortlessly collaborate with document annotation now in Microsoft Syntax. So again, another evolution, another new feature set in Syntax with more and more abilities to help you automate working with documents. Yeah, it's it's amazing how fast we keep on rolling stuff across the services, and I'm 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 not surprised that we keep on hearing that stop, slow down, <laughs> slow down. No, that's too but much. that's really the cool thing is seeing in in a cloud, you know, like yeah. doing do, doing the basics like that is that takes time, but once you yeah. have it, you can iterate. Then you really can start fast rolling things exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's true. As, but that also means a different mindset for the customers and end users because you need yeah. to be ready on oh, what's that? And so don't freak out. Yeah. You need to be ready on. Okay, so there's something new again rolling out. Now, Xiao Ferreira, see? Oh, it's in my head. Yes. Xiao, Xiao Ferreira, how to save and deploy SharePoint page templates um, using a PMP PowerShell. So this is an actually cool story related on the page templates are actually site collection, site specific, which is a bit of a weird thing, um, but you can actually use PMP PowerShell to replicate them across the sites as needed. So if you create a template in one location, you can just use PMP PowerShell to flip, copy, and that's it. A uh, really, really easy way of getting the templates then available across the sites. Yes. Would be nice to have it in the product, of course, as well, but still. April had a new video. About changes to Dataverse for Teams templates. So if you work with Dataverse and Teams, this is definitely one video you should watch. It's six and a half minutes, so it's not too long. And it's yep. a great way to, to get up to date on what's new and changed. Absolutely. Uh, Paolo had a, a new episode on his Piatek Tech Bytes, inviting users via Microsoft Craft. Really uh, quite typical scenario, actually, what the applications could be doing. So in managing the user invitations, and making sure that that's working properly. With a live demo as well, and the length six minutes. This is actually really good. So step-by-step -step guidance on how to make things happen. Um, Shane Young had a new video related on AI with Flow. A lot of AI stuff in yes. Power Automate integration this week, um, or across the whatever yeah, reason. There's ChatGPT, ChatGPT, ChatGPT. It's hot. Yeah, and describe it and design it with Power Automate, right? So in this yep. video, you will learn how to use the des describe it and design it function or feature in Power Automate. Yep. How does that if you're work? Interested? What you can do with that? Check out the video. Absolutely. And that's, by the way, still in preview, just to call that one out. And then uh, Giuliano De Luca had also a video on how to integrate ChatGPT and Power Platform. So OpenAI, Power Apps, and Power Automate, and really, really cool video as well. So a lot of great ideas then for the AI integration scenarios in general. Now, we already went through what's happening this week. Uh, I guess it's time to close for the Friday. I still have a few meetings yes. in my pipeline. I don't have any any meetings. And anymore. it's sunny so, even at your so location. That's thanks. weird. Yes, it is. It is. It is weekend time. Just in yeah. time for the weekend. So long and thanks for yeah. all the fish. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm still waiting. There was a, a one small joke. There's the classic meme related on spring is coming from first of May, March. Uh, it's spring, and then as then there's the well, I come from Finland. Hacking. I yes. need to find out yeah, for the yeah, notes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because first of yeah. March is certainly not spring in Finland yet. So ah, <laughs> uh, please, please. But anyway. That's it is what it is. But thanks everybody for watching. Uh, hashtag TMP Weekly in a Twitter if you're there. I will try to catch up on things also in other social media uh, platforms. Uh, if you like this, let us know. If you have ideas for the visitors, let us know. Yeah, all input is more than welcome. But that's it for now. Have a great week and we'll be back. See ya. Cheers.